Welcome back to another episode of the Tigers Minor League Report. I'm Kellen Gove. I'm joined here with the usual suspects, uh, Chris, Joe, and Yoop. How's your weekend going, guys? Going well, Kellen. Yeah, how about you? Good, good. I uh, wish we had some more uh, televised games here this weekend in, the, uh, in terms of the Tigers, but... Um, you know, we'll live with the radio, the radio broadcast for now. We'll live with, uh, using our imagination as Roger said, and, um, you know, it would have been nice to see Mize today, but, uh, it's just nice to have baseball back. Yeah, no doubt about it. I know I've spent a, uh, probably a little bit too time, what too much time on the MLB app, watching those, uh, you know, digitized batters and pitchers and the ball track into, uh, to home plate there. So I know I've spent a little bit too much time doing that. <laughs> And I had an exciting day. It was nice to have the ball game on in the background as I was doing the uh, fun adult things of picking up a winter's worth of dog poop in my yard and laundry. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's good to have baseball back. And we're joined yeah. here, too, by uh, Dan Hasty. Dan, how are you doing? He popped in for a minute. And then, well, it looks uh, like yeah. he might have stepped back out. The screen went back, yeah. It was All right. Well, he'll, uh, he'll join us here in a second, I'm sure. Um, so a couple topics today that we want to discuss. Um, <clears throat> I guess, first of all, Joe has been putting up some articles on the site uh, over at Motor City Bengals, um, recapping. Uh, I guess we did our, our podcast a couple weeks ago, going over the top 20 prospects in the system. Uh, now, Joe has started putting these articles up on kind of the best tools and other guys to watch for outside of the top 20. Um, so go check those out if you, if you haven't seen them yet. Uh, so we're going to recap some of uh, some of Joe's work there, um, go over some of the top tools outside the top 20 in the system, uh, and then also hit on, on kind of some, some of the highlights from the prospects we've seen thus far in spring training. Um, you know, we've seen Torgelson and Green and Paredes and others get some, get some good run here. Um, so we'll go ahead and talk through that. Joe, you want to just briefly explain um, kind of what you've been doing with your work outside the top 20, what that looks like? Sure. Yeah. You know, so it's really just trying to give people a glimpse, Kellen, into just the players that are out there in the Tigers system that that maybe don't get quite as much, you know, don't get quite as much discussion uh, just because they're not some of the, the the top prospects. Obviously, we've got these five, you know, super studs and, you know, at the top of the system and they kind of take a lot of that, you know, take a lot of that helium out. So I've just been trying to highlight some other players looking at some you know, you mentioned on the offensive side of things, you know, we looked at some of those tools, those five major tools, you know, hit power, uh, glove, arm and speed, uh, and just try to highlight some guys who have some probably have some major league tools. Now, that's only one aspect of their total package as a prospect. I mean, if it was a little bit more well-rounded package, you'd probably see them higher on our list. And, you know, and we would have already talked about them, but just try to give people an idea. Um, you know, who are those other guys that fill out the minor league system that we see, you know, that we see a lot that that Dan talks about, whether it's at West Michigan, uh, you know, or some of these other levels within the organization. And, you know, hopefully make sure that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, so, you know, give people an idea of, you know, the other names that they need to be paying attention to when they. You know, if you're a degenerate like me and you look forward every morning to pull up the minor league box scores from the night, you know, from the night before. So just trying to just trying to hit some names for everybody. So you wait until the next morning? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got a 10 and a seven year old. So if, <laughs> there, there's no chance I'm doing this at night. You that's 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 not happening. Yeah, it makes it easier when you got uh, Dan Hasty here to listen to 
uh, going through some West Michigan games. Dan, how are you doing today? Good to see you, boys. How's everybody? Good. Doing well, Dan. You staying busy this offseason? I'm sure you are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to have to do everything differently this year. I mean, this is a whole new playbook, uh, at least in terms of West Michigan. You know, I mean, how are we going to do even just the littlest logistical things? You know what I mean? So there's a lot to figure out and a lot to unpack. So that's been good. Um, But more so than anything else, I think we're just really, really looking forward to, number one, having baseball. That's the most important thing. We've all just had a huge appetite for that, especially... As it pertains to Tigers prospects, we haven't had that in a while. But from West Michigan's perspective, to have advanced A, to have high A designation, because now no top prospect, you know, kind of sidesteps West Michigan on his way to Detroit. So many times, you know, Justin Verlander was like this, Rick Porcello, because he was a pretty highly talented high school kid coming out. And most recently, Casey Mines never made it to West Michigan. So now with Spencer Torkelson, I mean, we, we've already got it from Al Avila. I mean, he's said it as much, saying that he expects him to start in West Michigan. And it's not exactly tearing the cover off the ball, but it's only been a couple of games in a spring training. But I don't see any scenario in which Spencer doesn't come to us. And on top of it, I don't think it's out of the question that Riley Green comes to West Michigan. So you're talking about... You know, two of the top prospects in all of baseball on the same team, which makes you the focus of not just the league you're in and not just the system you're in, but throughout all of minor league baseball. The, the Bash brothers are already living together. I think they could they could split a condo in Grand Rapids. I don't know. Call me crazy. I'm fine with that. <laughs> now that they have so, a know, can opener, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't let anybody close to sharp objects around Torque, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I don't know if you caught the tail end of that, Dan, but we're going to here just recap. Joe's been putting some some articles together to recap um, some of the top tools in the system outside the top 20. Uh, Joe, you want to give us a, a name or two here for the hit tool? Yeah. So for the hit tool now, guys, I, you know, I, hopefully somebody can help me out because I always butcher his first name every single time I try to say it. Elazar Alonzo, I think is a, he's a catcher. Um, you know, Ben, so far he's had some success in the lower levels of the minors, you know, which is a, you know, which is a respect, which is a good sign. I mean, what he brings to the table is, you know, a catcher who potentially can hit higher than, you know, potentially his weight, which, which is a pretty, you know, which is a pretty impressive thing. And if you're a Tigers fan, I assume you don't think that's possible for, you know, your tiger, your, your catcher to actually be able to make contact with the baseball in the batter's box. And, you know, Alfonso's a guy who, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, trying to, you know, think of, you know, some some things that, you know, he pretty much does everything well, you know, from a bat from a hit tool standpoint at the plate. I mean, he has respectable bat, you know, as respectable bat speed, even kind of has an idea what he's doing at the plate. I mean, you know, what has 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 drawn some walks, shown some patience, worked some counts. So he's done some good things at, you know, at the plate. Now, when, when you think about him from the downside, I mean, it's it's it's. So far, it's been the complete and utter lack of power he's shown at the plate. I mean, I think when I was, you know, when I was putting that article together, I think it's, you know, two home runs and eight extra base hits in 179 at bats. You know, so, I mean, clearly we're not, you know, we're not talking about a ton of over the fence power, really even gap power at this point. But I mean, he's a he's a 
most likely a catcher at least for for the for the foreseeable future, and you know he can potentially hit. You know, now the other guy that I included on there, and you know, I'm sure this one's probably a little bit more controversial since his 2019 wasn't the most successful season ever, and that's Wencio Perez. You know, 2019 he really took a step back. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the the player we thought we saw as you know as a teenager still at full season, you know, at West Michigan. Um, you know, in 2018 for a few at bats was not the same guy we saw in 2019, uh, you know, but prior to that, we saw a kid who was an 18 year old holding his own at West, you know, at West Michigan, which, which is no easy thing to do. Uh, and you know, he's a guy, he's got a short, you know, he's got a short, pretty compact stroke covers the plate pretty well with the bat when, when he's going well. So, you know, those are the two guys that I kind of ha- highlighted as having, you know, above average hit tools. I gave both of them a 55 grade on that 2080 scout scale. So that's just a step above 50 with it, which is average. Um, you know, but, but these are guys who are outside of the top 20. If they had 60, 65 hit tools, we wouldn't be talking about them, you know, after the top 20, these would be guys, you know, these would be guys at the top, you know, much higher in the ranking. So those were a couple of names. Uh, the other two guys that I, I highlighted on there, you know, I think we're guys from the Slack channel that, that, you know, Kellen, that, you know, that you mentioned, Chris, I think you mentioned, you know, um, with Woodrow, and Robson were the two, you know, two other guys that we highlighted in there. You know, maybe the opposite end of the spectrum from you know Perez and Alfonso in that they're farther, way farther up the developmental ladder than you know than those other two guys are. Have had some success at higher levels, you know, um, you know, double A and up, hitting a baseball and you know hitting for a respectable average. Um, you know, but you know those guys have more, you know, certainly fringy tools. You know, the rest of the, you know the rest of the way, and you know probably if they're big leaguers. You know, I mean, it's it's definitely at the back, you know, at the very back end of that twenty-five man roster. I think uh, one of the funny things about the hit tool in minor leagues is is sometimes th- there are guys who have the skills to hit like three hundred or three thirty in low A and even up to double A that are never going to touch the majors for some reason. I, I'm thinking of like yeah. uh, like a Will Maddox or a Johnny Valenti. <laughs> some of these guys who, who you know they're, they're I, I don't know what it is, it, and then you see other guys who can't hit their like you said can't hit that well in the minors, but have a better pure hit tool that might, you know, yeah, tap into yeah. it later. They have yeah, the, the yeah. wrists or whatever the eye, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, the Tigers don't have a, a ton of future batting champions. System. I think it's safe to say. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. the top 20. no. <laughs> no, there's the, no, no doubt about that. And, and, and that was kind of the thing as you were looking over some of the names that, that were there. I mean, you know, I, I think I threw out Alfonso and Perez in some of our, our discussions and Robson and Woodrow were the only other names that any, any of us really came up yeah. with or even for consideration in the list. So, I mean, as we get down now, we're, we're talking about lower down on the list. Once again, if these guys had, you know, better hit tools, they'd be higher. You know, if we had guys talking about with better hit tools than this, we'd be talking about them higher on the list. But I mean, it really, yeah, like you said, Chris, this isn't a list um, that had a ton of competition to make it really when you're talking about, you know, guys who are even better than average, you know, long term, um, you know, from a hit tool standpoint. Brought another name for you guys too, and that's uh, that's Jack Kenley, and he's a guy that Dan saw down and briefly, I think, in West Michigan last season uh, or 2019 rather, um, and obviously didn't have a ton of success there in 2019. Um, you know, he hit 192, uh, but he's a guy that I, I know a lot of people in the industry have a have highly regarded in terms of the hit tool. Um, you know, he has a good good bat control, good bat speed through the zone. Um, so he's a guy that I think with a little bit more minors time, um, 
could definitely move up the chain there uh, in terms of the hit tool. Really, uh, that, that was a really, a really nice college hitter. I mean, I you know watched him enough on television. Uh, he was impressive. I mean, he stood out. Uh, I, when I said I, I sounded like uh, Jim Price on that. He stood out here, but um, I think there's some power lurking there with him potentially. You know, now we're two years down the road from 2019. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does. Because uh, I was a player, I was very interested to see get in the system. Yeah, I liked him at. I, I liked him. Was it Arkansas? Yeah, Arkansas. In, in college, guys. Yeah, I mean, definitely a player that I think there's. I think he has his fans certainly throughout the industry. I think one of the one of the prospect rating systems. I mean, even had him approaching the top twenty. You know, in you know, in the system overall as a prospect, and you know, spoke and Kellen, you're definitely right. Spoke highly of the hit tool. So, you know, I, I definitely think he's a guy who could be, you know, could be talked about for a list like this. And Dan, speaking speaking of uh, Alfonso and Kenley, and then even Winsiel Perez here. I mean, those are those guys you expect to see in West Michigan this season. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and another name, and I'm sorry if somebody already brought this up, but I thought Andre Lipsius was interesting enough as a hitter during his time in West Michigan to warn at least us just keeping an eye on him. I mean, an OPS of 700, not great, but. Again, keep in mind, he did that with virtually hitting for no power, but we know that he has power. He showed that at Tennessee, Uh, you know, so I I think that's somebody that, you know, maybe they move him around the diamond. You know, A.J. Hinch has been really adamant talking about versatility and the need for that. Well, third base is where he was playing. And by the time he got to West Michigan, they were trying him at third, at second. They even gave him a couple of games at short. I don't think we'll ever see him in a major league game at shortstop, but I could see him at second. I could see him at third and I can see him at first. So look, he might be the future utility kind of player, but he's a little bit more of a bat plus utility player, kind of a guy that is is more of your offensive option coming off the bench, maybe someday than he is your, your gold glove option, but there's a place for that. So for me, it's Andre Lipsius, but to answer your question about seeing different guys in West Michigan. Yeah. I, I think not to get everybody so excited, but we'll see some 2019 holdovers in West Michigan for 2021. So I, I know that we'll see that, but you know, when, when you are able to combine it with all these everyday players from the draft class, I mean, I think probably of the six players, the Tigers picked, we're talking about five guys from that class being with West Michigan as everyday players. And that's a big deal. That's really, really exciting. You know, it's been so pitching heavy in West Michigan for so many years that if you came to a Whitecaps game, you only had a 20% chance of seeing Matt Manning or a 20% chance of seeing, you know, a Kyle Funkhauser who was great during his time there. You know, the list goes on and on, but it's always been pitching. So to now get a chance to see Torkelson and Gage Workman and Danny Cabrera, I mean, that's going to be a really, really fun lineup to keep track of. Probably the most fun that West Michigan's had since at least since I know I've been there. And so I know a lot of people are excited about it as well, but, but some 2019 holdovers, but certainly the lineup, you're going to see the bulk of that being some, some of the new blood in the system. And I think we, we managed to get everybody, but Trey Cruz from this draft into the top 20 at MCB, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah, otherwise they might bad. be on that list. Too. Yeah. Going back to the draft too. Um, I think as we start to to talk about power here and just raw power, 
Um, even if it hasn't been realized yet, I think Nick Quintana uh, is one that we, we definitely have at the top of our list there. Um, obviously going back to one draft prior, uh, than this last draft, um, he was a guy that came and came to the Tigers as a second round pick uh, in the 2019 draft. And he obviously struggled off the bat in the minors. Um, but he's a guy that I think has a lot of untapped potential, uh, a lot of, a lot of raw strength, uh, and, you know, good, uh, good rotation on his swing that I think could, could help him tap into some of that power as he, as he gets more comfortable here. Yeah, Kellen, I had him as one of the two guys that I highlighted there on the on the power list. Um, I, you know, I think he's a guy who has some nice natural loft to that swing, you know, to that swing as you know, to that swing as well, helping him get some carry. Um, you know, obviously that stint at West Michigan, um, you know, was 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 pretty poor. I mean, and it even you you'd even saw it in his defense, you know, his footwork and stuff out there at third. You know, just, he really struggled. You know, obviously had some better, you know, had a little bit more success when he was you know spent back down to the Penn League. Um, you know, but he's definitely a guy going forward. Um, you know, where, where does he slot into the, you know, to the, to the system at this point, you know, is, do we think he's ready after that day, after that, uh, that brief cameo at West Michigan to go there, or is he going to stick in Lakeland? Um, you know, I think he's an interesting player, you know, obviously he's a second round pick. He's, he, he should be one of these guys that we're talking about. And, and there's some excitement for, you know, especially entering this season since we haven't seen him now for quite some time. And I think Quintana too, he's, he's interesting because, you know, when we were, when we were going over this top 20, uh, we were talking about how it seems like there's a lack of depth in the system, right? Obviously we have the top, you know, the top pitchers at the top, then Torkelson and green, but after that, it kind of falls off. And, you know, there's some, some DSL guys from last year that are really toolsy. Um, there's some, some four a guys, but there's, you know, we're looking for depth and I think you need a guy like Quintana to outperform expectations at this point to, you know, have a great 2021 season and, and catapult himself back into that top prospect contention. I think the Tigers need one or two of those guys in 2021 to really do that. And I think, I think Quintana could be a candidate for that. You know, I saw today that they added uh, Parker Meadows and I think Ryan Kreidler to the camp, which I didn't, I didn't know if Lipsius and Quintana are already there. Kreidler just said leapfrog or who knows what, what the process of that is now. But one of the hard things about finding uh, other guys with power in the system is, is it's hard to know who's still in the system. <laughs> like, you know, after a full year, like, I don't know, is Dylan Rosa still around? I mean, he was, he's not really a prospect. He's a guy who had a lot of raw power. Yeah, he could, he could hit it. Yep. Um, and then you, I think you had Boyarski on there too. Yeah, I did. Now, obviously he's a guy, you know, if you were to draw up that kind of prototype right fielder build in a lab, I mean, you know, he, he is definitely the guy that jumps off the page at you. I mean, he's just like giant broad shoulders, you know, the, the high waist, I'm sure the scouts from Moneyball would have absolutely would absolutely love him, you know, from a, just a, a physical appearance profile, you know, but I mean, when you watch him swing, I mean, this is a guy who use you know, who uses that physical nature in the batter's box. I mean, he, he generates some bat speed. Uh, you know, with with really what appeared to be really strong wrists, you know, through you know through the zone, um, you know, and and when the ball, you know, when he does make contact, and he was he was respectable for West Michigan, you know, in in 2019, despite having I think having a reputation to be a pretty raw player offensively. I mean, you know, he hit 10 home runs in what is a hit very hitter friendly league in West, you know, in the Midwest League, and and definitely you know fifth third ballpark in West Michigan, very very hitter friendly or very pitcher friendly, so. Uh, you know, it, it was a 
I thought a pretty good performance for, for a young guy who we thought that would be a pretty challenging assignment. Um, you know, and he performed a little bit better than I thought he would, you know, than I thought he would. Now, I mean, right now, I, I mean, he's also a guy who the, the hit tools still very raw. And if he wants to be able to get to this power as he moves up the, you know, as he kind of moves up the rankings or as he kind of moves up the system, I, I mean, we're definitely going to have to see some major advancements in his approach, you know, in his approach at the plate. But I, I mean, there's definitely when you're talking about raw power, future power, you know, power potential, you know, um, Bojarski is definitely a guy who should be on that list. And, and just to, to jump on your point, too, Kellen, I, I was just thinking about, you know, guys that could t- take a step forward, you know, this year that might be interesting and help the system. I, I mean, you know, Lapicius is somebody we talked about, but really the, all those college offensive players from the 2019 draft, really any of those guys, you know, I mean, Bryant Packard's kind of the only one that we've heard about, at, you know, at this point that's really, you know, made it that, you know, that's kind of, I think, done better than what we anticipated, you know, maybe been a little bit better than we anticipated them after the draft. So, you know, I think, you know, we talked about Kenley earlier. He was from that draft class, you know, Creedler, you know, Chris, you brought up really any of those guys to me are names that, man, it'd be nice to see some of those guys take a step forward um, in 2021. Yeah. We know almost nothing about those guys on a professional level. I mean, we saw so you're right. Packard just happened to catch a streak where he looked good and got some buzz and that's managed to last. Um, since 2019 until now, because we had nothing else to talk about. Um, so, you know, if if a guy like Kreidler or any of the others comes smoking out in April and or well, actually, not going to be in the field in April, but whenever the season starts, um, they could change the narrative of where they are in our minds on the list at any point. Our, our evaluations are based on what, like a, a 250 at bat sample size. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 or less, and so. You know, a full season of, you know, 400, 500 bats, that can change a lot. No, definitely. You know, Kellen, one of the other names that I threw on there, um, you know, that I think is pretty relevant right this second, um, you know, because he's in big league, big league camp. And apparently we're, we're throwing out thoughts that he potentially can make the team. And that's, uh, that's Cody Clemens. Um, you know, obviously, especially as a middle, you know, as a middle infielder, he's a guy with, you know, with some pop, um, you know, he's, he's. You know, he's hit home runs throughout his, you know, throughout his last year in college, throughout his time so far in, um, you know, in the minors. He's, he's definitely shown that, you know, that he's got some pop in the bat. Um, and, and it's it, it is a decent tools. You know, there is a decent collection of tools there. I mean, they're all probably average. You know, they're all probably average. But he's kind of got that, you know, that that gamer mentality and stuff, which I think sometimes can make those tools play up a little bit. And we're seeing right now that he's clearly not fr- afraid of the uh, of the major league, you know, the major league stage. And, you know, I think there's probably some decent bloodlines there as well. <laughs> I think uh, I think they said today that he's going to start working out at first base as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Really? That, that is. Interesting. I like his profile. You know what? Second part. The fact that he's second What's that? Yeah, again? he's obviously better offensive second baseman than he is an offensive first base. We, we, we could obviously all agree on that. But. You know, you look at his his brothers. His brothers played better past Class A. I, I I watch him, and I remember thinking, this guy, this guy is somebody that gets it. He's a professional hitter, and of course, it doesn't hurt to have your dad throwing you BP at the ballpark, which I saw a couple of times, which was really really cool. Uh, but but Cody just he he as a as a left handed hitting second baseman. He always looked hard with us, and I understand that that Lakeland was a, a different experience for him. But 
You know, I will say this. He went off of a lot of adrenaline during that College World Series in 2018, which literally made him one of the most well-known college baseball players in the country. And he's doing all of it in front of packed houses, the College World Series. Then he goes to West Michigan, he dominates, and then he goes from 6,000 fans tonight to six. He goes up to Lakeland. I wouldn't be excited either. So, yeah, I mean, you have to go to this (laughs) monster ballpark, and I get it, they have those in Detroit. But he's going to go up to – Lakeland, and, and I, I, honestly, I get depressed sometimes when I go to Lakeland. I see how sometimes players feel the same too. So, you know, let's, let's see what double-A looks like for him. I'm really curious to see what A.J. Hinch can do because don't you just get the sense with A.J. Hinch that player development might be a little more accelerated now than it has in past years? And guys like Cody Clemens are exactly those kinds of players that, truth be told, the Tigers just need to start hitting on. So I'm curious to see how Clemens handles spring training because I don't think it's out of the question that Clemens could make the big league roster. Maybe not right away, but I don't think we'd take too long to see him. Catch that last part. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, if, if they're uh, if they're working him out at first base too, then I mean that's a that's a sign that they might you know want to want to roster him at some point as a, a guy that could play multiple positions. Um, and you know, I I think looking at his profile, a bat first utility guy, if he could handle you know second base, maybe third base, and first base, even a little outfield, like I, I could see that I could see him being a, a positive WAR player there. Um, and so you know, if that's the path that he has to take to uh, be a successful major leaguer, then hopefully the Tigers and, and AJ Hinch are able to facilitate that. Yeah. I, you know, I think the other thing I think that's interesting, even, you know, maybe a little bit beyond the utility player is, but I mean, second base obviously isn't a settled position for the, you know, for the Detroit Tigers, you know, you got a guy in, in, in scope who's there on a one, you know, on a one year deal. So, I mean, if Clemens can come in have some success, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, double a triple a this year, maybe even a, a cup of coffee at the end of the season, you know, show he can handle himself. I mean, that's a job that's, that's, that's very up in the air. We don't, there's not really a ton, maybe Paredes, you know, can, can, you know, as a second baseman long-term as well. But I mean, I definitely think there's, there's the potential for somebody to jump in and steal that second base role. Definitely. Yeah. That's the competition you want. I think the competition at second base that you want, you know, Jonathan scope will be there this season. And then as soon as Jonathan scope is gone, just light a candle because he'll be gone. And he's gone. The matchup that I want to see, I want to see to become the next second baseman. Willie Castro is in that mix too. I don't think it's out of the question that Castro moves to a full-time second baseman's role. It depends on what other pieces they end up adding in the future. But I think between those three guys, I think you're looking at potentially a long-term second baseman. And, and if not, it's not an expensive position fix. So I think they could go that route too. I'd love to be discussing this again shortly after the trade deadline, after we uh, maximize the return for uh, Jonathan Scope as well. So let's, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe revisit this. Maybe revisit this come early August. Not bad idea. So Joe, as we as we start to talk about speed here, uh, I think the obvious one is is Brock Dethridge, um, and obviously he kind of burst onto the scene coming out of the draft. Um, you know, put his name on a T-shirt that would sell. Uh, you know, the whole death rage thing got, got the fans excited. Uh, and he's a burner. I mean, he has, he has legit 70 plus speed and he flies down the line. Uh, who who else are we looking at? 
Uh, you know, the other guy that I highlighted on there was was Derek Hill. Um, you know, I, I think at this point, you know, there, there's been some injuries and stuff. Maybe I've sapped him a little bit of that speed that he had previously. Um, you know, but I, I, I think it's, it's clearly still plus speed. I mean, the way we, we, we've seen him in Detroit at this point now, um, you know, kind of floating around the outfield, you know, he's a guy who, you know, can use the speed on the base paths, you know, swipe a few bases, you know, definitely uses it in, in the outfield. I mean, he's, he's obviously a fantastic defensive center fielder with all kinds of range. Uh, you know, still, still runs extremely well. I mean, pr- probably, you know, slightly over four home to, you know, over four home to first. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's really fast getting down the line. Um, you know, so he's the other guy that I highlighted as, as kind of my two guys that I, that I brought, you know, that I, I kind of highlighted for each tool. Um, the other three guys that I threw out there, um, you know, to talk about were, were Kinston Leniak. Um, you know, there's a name, geez, I, we, uh, that a guy who's ca- kind of fallen off the face of the earth is, as far as I'm concerned, after having some pipe there, um, you know, a- after he was drafted, um, you know, uh, Badu, who we've seen, uh, you know, obviously making a, n- a name for himself a little bit this spring as a rule five guy, maybe having a, a chance to, you know, to stick in what's a pretty crowded outfield picture. And then, you know, I, Wencio Perez as well was another guy that I highlighted, um, you know, who, who certainly is, is, you know, all three guys who are at least above average, you know, at probably, you know, potentially plus some of them when they're underway, um, you know, fleet guys, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm excited to see when I, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago about, um, you know, what these guys have done in the last, you know, year and a half, two years since we've seen them play to, to get better and to see who comes out and has worked and, who, but more importantly, who has grown physically into their body, you know? Um, so I'm interested in a guy like Liniac. He was on my list of, of people that, you know, he was 18 or whatever the last time we saw him. Now he's coming back as a 20-year-old, you know, man. Uh, he was a kid. And that goes for a lot of those guys uh, who were down in, um, in the DSL and other places. Uh, we, we could see completely, you know, there's a lot of maturation that goes on in that time frame. So I think it's going to be an interesting year for Lineak. You know, uh, of the list of the speed guys, that's the one that pops out to me because, you know, Deathridge is, he's 25, I think, right? Is that right? And Derek Hill, you know, Jim Leland would say he's yesterday's breakfast in my mind. You know, that's uh, that's kind of what he is. I'd love to see him make it as a utility guy, um, play center field and steal some bases, and that'd be great. But I've always thought if he was a left-hand batter, he'd be so much more valuable um, where he could potentially get on base just a little bit more with his speed. Um, so, yeah, Liniak of that list and Badu, obviously, the the, the Rule 5 guy, Uh Pretty excited to see just to see what what they bring to the table this year. Guys like that. Yeah, you. You know, I think in 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 looking at a lot of these value, you know, these evaluations. I mean, it was it was in in some cases tough because you know we're talking about in many cases you know eighteen to you know to twenty four year old you know young men who you know who physically mature you know physically maturing and stuff at different rates. So I, I think that's really the case for a lot of these guys. And, and it was tough in some cases doing these evaluations as you're trying to you know, piece together maybe where, where they were at from the end of 2019 into, you know, heading into the 2021 season. I, it was, it was, it was a challenge in some cases. Okay, I can imagine. <laughs> Interesting that you brought up Badu also. Um, I, I guess, where do we stand in terms of, you know, our, our feeling with him and his chances to make the roster here, you know, as we move forward in spring training, are we optimistic about his chances at this point? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll jump in because I wrote his preview and basically said no <laughs> that I wasn't uh, optimistic about it. 
you know, I, I think the struggle becomes when you sign two additional outfield, you know, you sign two additional guys whose primary position is going to be the outfield um, in Grossman, and, and Grossman and Mazzara. Grossman and Mazzara. Yeah, yeah Grossman and Mazzara. You know, plus you've got, you know, Jacoby Jones, who, you know, and Victor Reyes, who I, I don't see any way they're not, you know, they're not on the team. You've got four outfielders right there. Now, I mean, they can certainly, you know, roster a fifth outfielder if that's the case. I think Badu would have probably the inside track to that because the other guys in contention, you know, talking about, um, you know, a Christian Stewart or, or, or a Derek Hill, you know, have options. We could send them back to the minors and hold on to those guys. Um, you know, so Badu would probably have the inside track there. Uh, but I just get the sense that the Tigers might be more interested in, in rostering another arm in that bullpen, um, you know, at, at maybe at the behest of, you know, of somebody like a, you know, Badu who's outfield only from a positional standpoint. I think they'd really love to keep him though. And I think what we're seeing are some pretty exciting tools. I'll jump in here too. I think I think they do. And, you know, they always say that you have to keep a guy for the full season in order to not having to return him for rule five. Right. But considering where the Tigers are organizationally, you know, with such a focus on the years ahead, I think the real name of the game is, is just keep them for the first half of the season. And the reason I say that is because number one, you're always going to get turnover. You're going to get roster turnover. Guys get hurt. You know, you're going to have openings that way. And on top of it, if, if Nomar Mazzara lights it up in the first half, there's a trade piece. And all of a sudden, you know, I mean, when Victor Reyes was part of the roster a couple of years ago, he was a fifth outfielder. So the idea of keeping a fifth outfielder just so you can have that option in the future, I, I think they've shown that they're willing to do that. So if they keep him for half a season, all of a sudden they move Mazzara, a spot opens up. Robbie Grossman does well. And I know he got the first multi-year deal in what's it, what has it been five years, but again, these spots were made to be eventually opened up. And over the course of the season, I, I think you're going to see probably one, if not more of those spots become available for a guy like Badu. And so far he's made it look like he belongs. So I think that's the most important takeaway for me. Yeah, I think that that definitely helps. I also think, you know, obviously we've got that 26th, roster, you know, 26th roster spot now, which we wouldn't, we, you know, a few years ago, we wouldn't have had that. Um, so that definitely improves his chances. And I did, I, I, to be fair, I did say that I didn't think there was a chance he'd make it a few days ago. And he's obviously performed pretty well in spring training recently. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to back up just a little bit. I, I think there's a good I chance. People really upset about that article. Yeah, that's, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I think the other part of it too is, um, do the Twins have a spot for him? Do they want him back? I mean, how badly are they going to want him back? I haven't looked at their... Because I think if he goes back, he has to go on their 40-man roster, correct? Uh, not not 100% sure of that. Yeah, waivers, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they might be interested in doing a cash deal or something or a low-level reliever or something. Um, they might not have a, have a need for him, too. So I think the Tigers find some way to keep him. Um, there's no reason not to. Uh, it's not a it's not a year where the roster spot is going to bar them from contention. So unless he's an abject failure, um, if he's showing anything, I, I think they find a way to keep him. You know, with keeping five outfielders, I think that's fine. You can just ro- kind of rotate relievers uh, as you have bullpen needs uh, between Toledo and Detroit. And I mean, let's face it, I'm not. I love Jacoby Jones. I do. He's great. Uh, when he's on the field, but that's the problem. He's hurt a lot. So uh, 
Uh, I think, and anybody could get hurt on any given day. So I, I, I think they'll find a way to keep them around and keep their rule five guy for a third straight year. Yeah. And our buddy, Mark, you said, if he, shows, you said, if he shows the ability to, to play the big league level. And I mean, no, no slight to Victor Reyes, but I think after his first season, None of us sitting here were convinced that he was a big league player. I mean, what did he walk like five times in a hundred games? I mean, he he really really struggled. He was the perennial pinch runner for the Tigers during that season. So you know, look, it, really the the big question is is how dedicated are the Tigers to Akil Badu? And if they're as dedicated to him as say they were to Victor Reyes a couple of years ago, I don't see any scenario in which he doesn't make it through the season on that roster. Yeah, you know what? I would say that it's only been a handful of games, or whatever. But I think Akil Badu has a big league approach. Like, like he's he looks like a big league hitter. Now, will he be able to adjust once big league hitters, you know, expose his weaknesses and stuff? I don't know. But or big league pitchers, I should say. But I think he's shown enough for the Tigers to not want to give him back. Uh, and like I said, if if they're forced to keep him on the roster, I think they will. But I do think they're going to work out a deal with the Twins in some capacity. Our buddy Mar- uh, Mark suggested trading him for Derek Hill, uh, which is, it was, it's interesting because the twins could probably get a lot more use out of Derek Hill than the Tigers could because they're much closer in the end. You know, they've got Byron Buxton in center field, but you know, you, you put uh, Hill in there for Alex Kirilov or uh, Max Kepler or something like that. You got a great, uh, really great outfield defense. And then Buxton's always hurt. So Hill can go in there. And so it made some sense to me. And, it's one of those things where we really like Derek Hill, but he makes more sense for a good team than a bad team. Yeah, those defensive skills become more valuable. And then Badu can go to, you know, Erie or whatever and get a full season of plate appearances. And uh, maybe maybe he has the upside of a regular corner outfielder, maybe even a center fielder. So, I don't know. I think they're going to do something to keep him. Yeah, so just speaking of uh, of Derek Hill here, I know he's probably a uh, top of the list for the defense tool here. Uh, obviously, we've seen him make some highlight reel catches in center. Um, you know, at this point, as we've been saying, it doesn't seem like there's probably a roster spot for him. Um, I know another name we've we've talked about extensively uh, that'll probably bring a smile to Dan's face here too is Cole Peterson. Um, obviously, he he's just you know electric in the field at shortstop. Um, who else has really caught your eye? I, I mean, when we start talking about defense in the system, I mean, Cole Peterson's really the guy who jumps off the page, you know, for me, Callan. I mean, it is, it, it is really, you, you don't frequently say it's really fun to watch a guy play defense. It is flat out fun to watch Cole Peterson play defense. I mean, range, soft hands, cannon for, I mean, cannon for an arm. I mean, it is, it is really the, the the complete package, you know, playing at at shortstop. I mean, but if I, I probably probably can't just sit here and talk about Cole Peterson the whole time. Um, you know, Cooper Johnson, uh, you know, catcher, sixth round draft pick, um, a couple of years ago. You know, is the other guy that I highlighted there um, as 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 you know, kind of top defensive tools. Um, and you know, it's it's really it, it's it's a fun, it's a really good defensive profile. I mean, there there's there's arm strength, there's catch and throw skills. Um, you know, he's got some 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 really quick reaction times, you know, behind the plate. I mean, some of his pop times, you know, to second base, really strong. You know, the type of catcher that, you know, really works well with a pitching staff, can control the running game. Um, I, you know, I think I gave him a 60 grade, um, you know, so so a plus, you know, a plus defensive tool. 
And his arm's better than that. I mean, his arm's better than that. It's a it's a legit cannon, you know, behind the play, too. So, I mean, you know, those, those are two guys that, that really are fun to watch play defense, you know, with Peterson and Johnson. Yeah, Cooper Johnson seems like a guy to me that could almost develop into a similar, pro, similar profile as like Jake Rogers, yeah. uh, where, you know, obviously the defense is the calling card. Um, he, he needs to improve his receiving. Um, and you know, whether, whether that stays important two or three years from now with, you know, possible changes to the electronic strike zone and stuff, we'll, we'll see, but he has a cannon for an arm, uh, you know, good blocking skills behind the plate. So I think he has all the tools there to be a defensive backstop in the majors. He's got some raw power. Um, so I think the the big thing there for, for Johnson is going to be the hit tool. And, you know, if, if he, if he can even develop that to the point where, you know, we saw with Rogers as a prospect two seasons ago, then I think he could enter the top 20 within the next year easily. Yeah. You know, when I wrote, when I wrote up Johnson, you know, Kellen, one of the things that I highlighted in that, in his profile there was that, you know, you know, when you, when you do a list like this and you're talking about guys after the top 20 and you're talking about, you know, them having standout tools, a lot of times you're talking about the rest of that toolbox is not being, you know, kind of filled with, you know, with even big league average tools that's not really the case for Johnson. I mean, this is a guy who has a, a relatively well-rounded skill set. Like you said, there's some raw power there. And, you know, that hit tool, though, is really going to drive his profile, you know, or his prospect status is probably a better way to say it. You know, drive his prospect status, um, you know, and where he ranks on some of these lists going forward. I think you're right about that. I've always got a Kurt Casale vibe off of Cooper Johnson. You know, watching him in college and um, just getting a sense of what people think of him and remembering what was said about Casale. Uh, back when he was drafted out of Vanderbilt in the 10th round. Um, you know, if he follows that kind of career path, that's a that's a pretty successful draft pick. And, and I'll say there's, uh, you know, had I been writing this list, I probably would have used all those same players. I think those were great choices, Joe. Uh, but there's a name I would add now, a week and a half, two weeks later, that I wouldn't have before, and that's Zach Short. I, I didn't realize he was as good defensively as he looks. I, I, thought, he was to, I thought he was playing shortstop or second base mostly because he can handle shortstop. He looks like a legit shortstop uh, with good actions, a strong arm. I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from him. Again, it's like little small samples from these guys like Short and Badu, but it, it feels like the Tigers have upgraded down their roster more. Like this feels, I think I, I compared him to like Sergio Alcantara. Well, okay, he's, he might be as good a defender as Alcantara, but it looks like he's got offensive capability too, which is nice. So. <laughs> not talking and, and about a three hit tool. I will. I will say this about Short. It, when I had to call games with West Michigan during Short's time in the Midwest League, he played for South Bend, and I for sometimes just get kind of a vibe on different players. And when they hit, I get an idea on who I need to prepare more material for because I know they'll be at the plate for longer periods of time. Oh, Zach Short. <laughs> One of those dudes. He is up there grinding away from eight, nine, ten pitches, foul balls. A lot of the South Bend guys do that, by the way. But Short was always one of the most annoying hitters that our guys in West Michigan had to face. And and it was almost unanimous when asking these the, the pitchers who were playing there, just who who do you hate to face? And almost to a man, it, it was that effing short, whatever his name is. That, that's what they always told me about that short. He seems like, you know, 
just the type of guy, like you said, that would be so annoying to play against. I mean, we, I think a lot of us played baseball when we were younger. And I mean, there was always like that kid on the other team that as a pitcher, you just couldn't strike out. And he, he kind of gives me those, those same vibes there, Dan. So that's a, that's an interesting story there. The full Punto. Nick Punto, I mean. Not, Nick not Punto, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> David Eckstein. <laughs> yeah. yeah, regarding short, I mean, I think I think we'll see him in Detroit at some point this year. I mean, he seems like the yeah. type of guy that, you know, if if anyone in the infield were to get injured, I mean, he, he's a natural fill-in there at, at second, at, at short, or even at third. Um, just come in and, and do his job defensively and see what he can do at the plate. Hmm. So Joe, you, you highlighted some, some starting pitchers here today, I believe in your article. Yeah. Um, I know one of the guys you talked about there, Hugh Smith, <laughs> uh, I think that's probably another guy that the Dan will be seeing a lot of. Um, and he's, he's what six foot eight. He's a massive human being yeah. he, at this point. He looks like he's six foot eight and, you know, isn't able to control himself very well, has some awkward movements and, um, you know, really needs to refine his mechanics. He looks like he, he bends over when he throws a lot. Um, so there's some, some definite room for improvement there. Um, but you know, that that's why he was a, a mid round pick and not a top round pick. So, uh, you have anything else on, on Hugh Smith? I, yeah. I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Callan. I mean, it appears there's some stuff, you know, there's, it appears there's some stuff there, you know, I mean, there, there's some fastball velocity, you know, there's certainly some fastball velocity, um, you know, there's, there's some, there's the, the, there seems to be the makings of some secondary offerings, you know, um, if you can refine, uh, you know, if you can refine those, but I mean, really for him, the, the question is going to be, can he develop the coordination, you know, can he develop a repeatable delivery, um, you know, that allows him to take advantage of that height and have some, you know, some downhill plane or some extension, you know, something that makes that stuff play up in the zone. Um, you know, th- those are really going to be the, the biggest question marks for Hugh Smith going forward. <laughs> If I may, as somebody who is like Hugh Smith, very tall, and also knows a lot about (laughs) awkward movements, uh, I I will say this about Hugh Smith. I I know, based on what we've seen with Hugh, I think he's at in his development, I know they were different ages at the time, a lot like where Matt Manning was in his development when he was in Connecticut. This is going back a couple of years now, but... Manning, you know, when he was taken out of high school, everybody said, okay, well, th- this guy, look at that frame. I mean, 6'6", 195, this guy, this guy can get it up there to 100. And then he got to Connecticut, and he was burning 88, 89 miles an hour with a fastball, and everyone just looked around like, does he need Tommy John? What, what's going on with Matt Manning? But what ended up happening was, was they had to teach him the nuances, right? And he was a great athlete, so you had that palace to work with. With Hugh Smith, you're still trying to get, as some of you guys say, I think somebody said like muscle memory, essentially, getting all that stuff figured out right now. Because, yeah, he's a big dude. And he, like Matt Manning, was throwing 91, 92, 93 in West Michigan. He's nowhere close to, I think, where he could be. I think Jason Foley is a great example of the fact that they do have some ability to tap into this sort of thing and find a few extra ticks on that fastball. So I think Hugh, especially with a full year of time on the backfield and doing whatever he was doing on the side, I'm sure he was working. He's a really hardworking kid during his time in West Michigan and the limited time that we saw him, the numbers were already good as they were, but imagine a world where he's throwing 98, 99, which is what everybody says physically he should be able to get to at some point. So I really can't wait to see him. 
Yeah, I, I, I think he's one of the more intriguing guys heading into, you know, 2021 from, you know, of the guys that I highlighted on the offensive, the top tools list, and then on the starting pitcher list. Um, you know, there are some some relatively tantalizing, um, you know, aspects to his profile. I mean, uh, I'm the exact opposite, Dan. I know nothing about what it's like to even know what six foot feels like, let alone, you know, six, eight. So I have no idea what it's like to uh, to try and throw a baseball at that height. But uh, I mean, if you can get those things figured out, I mean, there's definitely some tools there to, you know, to be a, you know, a, a, a long term, you know, long term for him to be a pretty productive prospect. You know, I'm interested. I'll, when you think back to all the super tall pitchers that have had success in the major leagues, None of them are really young when they when they broke in. It, I think it, you know it takes a while to refine that whole system <laughs> when you're someone who's six ten. I mean, I can't think of anybody who was six eight, six seven, well, maybe six seven, but six eight, six nine of the guys like Randy Johnson, those type of guys who came along and really lit it up early. Um, so maybe he's that kind of guy. I'm not saying he's Randy Johnson. Certainly not saying that. But can he be a reliever? Um, <laughs> who comes out of the bullpen for two, three years, you know, chucking at 99 and, and, and being very useful. I think that's very possible for him. You know, who's a great example of that. And we don't talk about him a lot, but he was at one point a Tigers minor league prospect. And that's Andrew Miller. I mean, six foot seven, a high draft pick, a lot of prospects, uh, I guess, shine to him when he came into the, the draft and the Tigers were able to get him at number, I think it was sixth overall. Six, and six, even that considered to be kind of low for Andrew Miller when he was picked at the time. So, yeah, I mean, big guys, but it took him a while. He was not very good when he first came up. He bounced around Tigers, I think it was the Marlins and Boston. And so it wasn't until really he got to that, that Boston spot and really into Baltimore the year after that. And now he's getting close to like 30 years old. And, and then all of a sudden now he's he's legit and like the, the best middle innings fireman that baseball has like ever seen. No question. Yeah. And and then even and you're talking about Miller was a guy who was at North Carolina and facing, you know, some of the best competition in college baseball. And you got uh, you know, Hugh Smith was in what division three, what college yeah. or something like yeah. So yeah. he's a guy that you're gonna we're just gonna give him some time. It's yep. got to be. It's got to be so. As a batter, I can only you know, and as an umpire, even you know, umpire high school level, and if I see a kid who's six four, he's a big guy, you know, to see a guy six ten out there, he's got to feel like he is right on top of you when he is releasing that pitch. So I mean, that he's a potential weapon if they can harness it. It's going to be very exciting. I remember seeing Doug Fister come off an elevator in Minneapolis, and he's a legit six <laughs> eight. Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, we're all talking about our height. I'm six six, and I don't look up to too many people just walking down the street. And I really looked up to Doug. Doug, <laughs> you know, I was a legit six eight. So if he is six foot ten, uh, Hugh Smith. I mean, that's I, I, being behind the plate would be really something to see. I, I would, I would pay to do that. Can I tell you a quick Hugh Smith story? So it was uh, it was 2000 and I believe 19 was the year that we had him. So it was the last year before everything shut down. And so he wore the number 39 with West Michigan. And that's significant only because the, the Whitecaps, you know, the, once you get past a certain number, and usually that's like somewhere in like the 30s, there's not a whole lot of more numbers on these jerseys left. And so to 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 get these 
you have to have essentially been there since the start of the year. Like, you know, the, the, the bigger guys would be wearing the numbers in the 40s and the 50s. And those numbers go quick. And usually the coaches are the ones to take them. So you'll see like Brian Pena wearing 55. It, Partially because he used to wear it, but partially because he's always filled it out. So, you know, what you'll see is, is so Hugh Smith, when he was on the mound in his first game in South Bend, I never saw because he was wearing this 39 jersey. And I was remember thinking, like, that looks a little small on him. He must have had to stop to tuck in his jersey six or seven times during that game. <laughs> it kept on popping out. It was hilarious. I could see that. One other guy here that I'm really intrigued by, probably one of my favorite sleepers in the whole system, and he is not as big as Hugh Smith by any means. Uh, that's that's Kyder Montero. He stands at you know six foot one, but I, I think he's listed at 145 pounds or something. Like he's he's rail thin, and he's already up to 95, 96 in that fastball. He's not a guy that I would say by any means is super projectable. He doesn't look like a guy that's going to fill out a ton and add you know, five miles an hour to his, to his fastball or anything, but he's got 95, 96 already. He's controlled it, you know, decently well throughout his, his pro ball experience. His K rates up above nine. His FIP was below three last year in West Michigan. What is five or six starts there. I am intrigued by the profile there. I mean, if he can command that fastball, he's got a plus curveball already. He'll need some development on the changeup, but I, I mean, I think He's a guy. If he hold, if his body holds up, uh, I don't see any reason why he can't, you know, shoot up the system and, and be a, a real legit starting starting pitcher prospect come a, a few years from now. Yeah, I'm 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 100 with you, Callan. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for a starter who can spin a good break, you know, spin a good breaking ball. And you know, Montero is definitely that guy who, you know, has the ability to go out there and throw, you know, throw a a, a really, you know, even a pretty high spin rate breaking ball. So. Um, you know, so definitely a profile that I like. Yeah, that one, that one forty-five, based on uh, what I saw of him, um, feels a little light. But uh, he de- he definitely seems to have, you know, we'll say a thick lower half. Um, you know, so I, I agree that the projectability probably isn't there. But you know, when you already throw in the you know in the mid nineties and you got a good breaker, I mean, you know, develop a decent changeup, and you know, he can he'll move through the minors, no doubt about it. He's definitely a guy that I really like. You know, and another thing on uh, Keter Montero is that uh, he kind of reminds me of somebody who was in West Michigan two years ago, also as a 20 year old. And if he ends up this year as a 20 year old in Montero's case, I think they could be teammates. But Carlos Guzman, who we don't really talk about very much anymore. And I, I get it. I mean, you're 22 years old now, it's a couple more years, but. He had everything go wrong for him in West Michigan during seven games in 2019. And he had a whip of like 1.24 and an ERA that was sub three. He actually pitched really, really well. His issue was that he walked people and he wasn't allowing a lot of base hits. And, you know, as any of you guys understand that as a pitcher, you can either allow base hits or you can walk people, but you cannot do both. And he didn't allow base hits. So he was able to get out of jam after jam. And again, the, the numbers, I'm sure if you were looking at like Carlos Guzman's FIP, you'd see it probably a lot worse than 2.73. But that's where his ERA was when everything was just going against him. So Montero, Guzman, they, they kind of have some similarities for me. And there's a chance we see them both in West Michigan this year. Yeah, Guzman's a guy. Guzman is a guy that I did hit on, Dan, in the, in the article there. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously... 
converted from being a position, you know, from a positional prospect, um, you know, good athlete, you know, good athlete, you know, which, which, you know, which is a pretty important when it comes to repeating that delivery and developing that, you know, that command and control profile, um, you know, throws pretty, you know, throws pretty hard, got, a, got, has a live arm. Definitely. Um, you know, I think he's touched 90. I think, I, I think I've seen some reports out there. He's been up to 97, you know, touch 97 at times. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, 2019 didn't go exactly like I think, you know, pro, kind of us prospect mavens were hoping for with, you know, with some of that upside. But I, I, I he's definitely another guy that's going to be interesting to follow here in 2021. So we've been going here for about an hour. Um, I think we'll be on the lookout for Joe's article regarding relievers. You know, we already touched on our, in our last podcast on, on Lange and um, uh, Foley there. Um, so we'll be on the lookout there for some relievers to keep an eye on, but I really want to get here to some first impressions and string training. Um, obviously we've seen green and we've seen Torkelson, um, get in the lineup, you know, pretty consistently, just about as consistency as any, as, as consistently as anybody else, uh, on the roster. Um, and Dan, who do we need to pay to get these games televised? <laughs> Rob Manfred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess, you know, what were your guys' first impressions on what we've seen from from Torque Green, Paredes, even some of the pitchers here? Wow. I... <laughs> Go ahead. We have a lot to say. No. <laughs> you I mean, know, I... But, um, I was interested in, uh, in Mize today uh, that the velocity was up. That was good. Uh, people still having a little bit of uh, talk about his command not being what it was, you know, sold on out of college. Um, walked the bases loaded, but then got out of it with a nasty pitch, evidently. Uh, it's really going to be quite the year of, of, of watching where he goes. Um, you know, is, is he, does he come on strong or are we still going to see some stops and starts with him? Um you know, he's such a critical piece to what this organization is trying to build. Uh, you know, obviously, it, it, it can go wrong for anybody at any time. But Casey Mize is so vital to building the next contender. Uh, it was good to see him have the velocity there today. But, you know, the three walks wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of fun to listen to. I mean, we've already touched on Badu and, and Short. Those are a couple of guys that have uh, intrigued me. I... Uh... I actually, I don't know if this qualifies as a hot take or whatever, but I think that Spencer Torkelson may need to change his swing a bit. Uh, I know, you know, he's the best hitting college prospect since Mark Teixeira or Chris Bryan or whatever, but uh, he's, his swing is so quick and rotational. It, it just doesn't seem like he uses his lower half at all. And I don't know if he has to, I mean, he's got the bat speed and the strength to hit that way, but it seems like he's going to be late a lot on fastballs. I don't know why, you know, I'm not a swing guy. So somebody's probably like, no, this is the, the most perfect swing of all time. But it seems to me like, yeah, he, he's going to have to do something. I, I don't know, a small leg step, something to catch up to big league fastballs. And I feel like his swing is just tailor-made for crushing like 88 to 92. Uh, and But the contact we've seen him make so far is, is generally, he did hit a, a pretty hard grounder the other day, but a lot of it is just kind of weak. 
but beyond that, like you can see the approach. He's got the good approach at the plate. He's taking pitches that are close. He's probably taking some balls that were called strikes. So I, I'm pleased there. I just think, you know, he's a pro hitter now, so he's going to need to make some adjustments to face pro pitching. Yeah, I, so, I, I, I'll. I've got another one, and it kind of bounces off that. I think Spencer, obviously, just, just playing here in spring training like he wants to be in West Michigan to start the year, and I appreciate that from him. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of, you know, what's interesting to me is how dedicated, and I wouldn't even say dedicated, but how much we see him in that lineup as a first baseman. Uh, you know, we've also seen, of course, they draft him as a third baseman, and the hope is that he can be that at the major league level. And if he ends up that way, great. Even if he's just an average third baseman, that's a huge positional plus to have a premier offensive player. And I mean, what's the harm? I mean, just try him out there. And if he's terrible, move him to first, but they're also preparing for that situation. They're preparing to have that move over to first. I mean, for, for years, Nick Castellanos needed to be a first baseman, and his ego wouldn't allow him to do that to where the outstanding offensive profile that he had could really could really shine. I mean, it, you know, playing in third base, playing in the outfield where he was not a good defender made him less valuable and might have even cost him some money over the course of his career. So to put him at a position where he can thrive – I see Torkelson as a guy that probably does move over to first base at some point, but for as long as he can play third, just like Miguel Cabrera, just as long as you can be there and not totally embarrass yourself, that's a huge tick up overall. I mean, that, that adds some extra wins to your season. If a guy like Torkelson can handle that position, but I do love the fact that they're preparing because AJ Hinch has talked about a versatility and just because you're Spencer Torkelson doesn't mean you should be exempt from needing to be versatile. And I know they drafted him one way and it's really easy to try to fit a square peg in a round hole, but at least they're preparing. So if they go, okay, this isn't working, they will be able to move a guy over that has actually been practicing at that spot over the course of the past few years. I, you know, you had on a little bit, Chris, I mean, one of the things that's kind of stood out to me, especially with the young hitters is I mean, when was the last time we saw some young hitters break into Detroit that appeared to be able to command the strike zone and show some patience? You know, I mean, now Torkelson and Green are are the prospects they are because I think we do expect that out of them, you know, a little bit. But I mean, you know, there's been a number of guys. Paredes has actually looked like he's commanded the strike zone pretty well in, in, in some of, you know, some of the things that we've seen from him. So I, I'm kind of intrigued by, you know, this maybe – well, you know, newfound approach uh, to, you know, to the, whether it's whether it's Hinch and his staff kind of, you know, kind of tweaking their approaches a little bit, whether it's them just being better hitters and, and being able to command the zone better because they hit better. But I, I mean, that's something that that's kind of stood out to me. I mean, I, I think pretty much every day I've looked in that box score, I've seen, you know, seen walks and stuff in there, you know, seen them, you know, take some longer at bats. Um, you know, that's that I think that to me is 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 trending in a positive direction. Uh, let's see. I, I would also mention uh, Jason Foley. We touched on him briefly. I've seen him seen him on TV now twice. Um, the first time, you know, he's throwing the hell out of the ball. He throws really hard. He's been doing that since uh, 2017, whatever, 2016. Uh, but he didn't get any swings and misses on his first outing. He got a couple, hard, you know, hard ground balls. And I just, I think his his two seamer is not going to be a swing and miss pitch. But that second outing, he broke out 
the change up or the split change or whatever we want to call it. And it yeah. really mirrored well off the two seam rise dot. And I thought, okay, we can work with this. He's going to throw those. And the slider was kind of iffy, but at least I saw that step up there and he still has 98, 99. So he's definitely an interesting guy to follow this spring. Change up was, you know, probably one of the most impressive things I've seen from any Tigers pitcher this offseason. I, di- I didn't even know he threw that pitch before that. Um, and, you know, that, that could have been me not watching him a ton in previous seasons, but also, I mean, that had, that changeup had great tailing action on it. I mean, that, that looks like a legit swing and miss pitch. You know, even if that slider isn't that great, I think he could get by on just those two pitches. If he's able to throw that changeup like that every outing. Yeah. Can we just take a moment to, to appreciate the fact that Jason Foley, a guy that was struggling to even have like a sub six ERA at the college level was picked up by the Detroit Tigers and molded into a guy who could throw a triple-digit fastball and be considered a legit prospect. I mean, think about where he was. He was probably surprised he got a phone call from a major league team, let alone a contract to play professional baseball. And all of a sudden, this guy is blowing people away. I mean, you know, talk about just getting the golden ticket. And and again, He's got a long ways to go, but the fact that he's throwing innings that look semi-decent in major league spring training, that's a big deal. I mean, I mean, I wasn't even good enough to have a six ERA at the division three college baseball level. So imagine what he's going through right now. Yeah, and and it's one of those cases where his big problem at St. Mary's or whatever he was, not St. Mary's, uh, what's St. Mary's? Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart. Uh, was throwing strikes and that doesn't seem to be a problem for him. Now he doesn't have pinpoint command, but he pretty much pounds the strike zone. And it's like, what, what did they do? I don't know. It's super impressive. What did he do? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a really cool story for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, you know, and a guy, I think, you know, a similar kind of uh, rise to Jason Foley, only be it he's reached much higher heights that I, I think we just need to hit on if we're talking about, you know, spring training performances. I mean, I, I, I can't help but be more impressed with Tarek Skubal every time I see the guy, you know, every time I see the guy pitch. I mean, it, it's 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 high end velocity, for, you know, from the left side that he command, you know, that he commands really well. I mean, he certainly, you know, looks like he belongs so far in, you know, in spring training. I mean, to me, I think he's been, you know, as impressive as, you know, any Tiger starter that I've seen, um, you know, so so I, I just every time I see the guy pitch, I think like, you know, my, my impression of what he could be going forward kind of rises just a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was a big fan before he developed whatever this split yeah, what, thing is. And I yeah, really yeah. want to see it. It sounds like it, yeah. it, it looked pretty good. So I really want to see it. Yeah. I think that's, that's really intriguing that, you know, I, I and, and that, that seems to me something that's a real positive for your kind of that, that Matt Scherzer approach to pitching. I think, you know, like, Oh, I, I need to be able to do this. Oh, okay. I'll just develop this pitch randomly when Jeremy Bonderman's still developing a changeup and this guy just one off season throws out a, uh, you know, develops an off speed pitch. So, I mean, I think that's, that's, that, that really says a lot about his ability, you know, about his ability to develop as a pitcher as well. And so I think, you know, it's, it's just another, you know, another aspect of Tyrus Google that, that I just really love. I will just real quick, Rogelio and I were on a podcast before uh, tonight it was a, a national guy doing a, like one podcast for every team. And he asked us for a hot take or whatever. And he said that Eric Scoobal, rookie of the year. Well, sure. Why not? Let's yeah. do it. Let's, let's start the hype machine right now. Speaking of the, the triple digit fastballs there, Joe, um, 
one other guy I've been extremely impressed with this spring, Alex Lange. And he, you know, he, he's a guy that we saw come over in the, the Cassianos trade uh, from the Cubs. He was a starter. You know, when he came over, we converted him to a, a reliever and he saw his strikeout rate jump pretty significantly when he uh, went to Erie, I believe. Uh, but he's a guy that, you know, I was expecting him to come out and throw, you know, 94, 95. We saw him come out. He was hitting 98, 99 right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his curveball is a, a plus pitch when he keeps it down. And so if he's able to you know, throw that 98, 99 fastball with, you know, decent control and then keep that curveball down, I could see him helping out in the bullpen really soon. So I think that was a positive sign from him as well. Yeah, def- I'll give def- you one more as well. For for a for uh, you know where the Tigers are, you know we've we've talked about guys like Michael Fulmer a couple of years ago in this way. We've talked about Matthew Boyd this way most recently. Who can the Tigers help accelerate their rebuild? Who can they who can they use to collect more assets as they try to figure this thing out, turn this thing around? They have enough pitching waiting in the wings, or at least that's the design of this concept, but. I think especially with the new pitching coach, with with Chris Fetter in tow, I think somebody's name on this show that has to get mentioned is Daniel Norris. And, you know, Norris continues to very quietly get better and better. I mean, he had a war of three back in 2019, which isn't great, but it's certainly pretty good when you're stacking it up to a 63-win team and I think that was third or fourth on the on the entire roster. And then last year, he had an ERA just to tick over three. I know he was kind of used in, in kind of a hybrid role, and who knows if that's the plan for him again. But if you want to point to a guy who could easily make baseball think that he has figured it out, especially with a, with a pretty live fastball, and somebody that other teams might have to stop and say, wait, do we need to do our homework on this guy? I think that's Daniel Norris. I think that at this point in my mind, it's not a question of, is he going to perform? It's a question of what role are they going to use him in? Um, and I don't, I don't think we've seen Hinch give any indication of, of what his plans are yet for Norris. Um, but he seems like a guy, I mean, if they wanted to stretch him out and be a starter, I know I think he could be successful for three, four innings, five innings, you know, two times through the order, or he could be that power lefty out of the bullpen with the, the you know, the 95, 96 fastball, good changeup combo where you know, he, he's death on the other team's best lefty hitters. And so I think we could really see him go either way there. So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what Hinge's plans for him are right off the bat to start the season. I'm so deathly afraid of losing Daniel Norris because it just feels like he's a classic case of the guy who figures it out after he leaves Detroit. And I don't want to see him figure it out because his profile lends itself to being a nasty fireman lefty. We talked about Andrew Miller a little while ago, and I'm not saying that he has that in his repertoire, but if he can be that filthy, even without the the 98, the 99 that Miller had, I mean, that's such a weapon in the modern game and not enough teams make it a point to go get that guy, to make sure they have a guy 
if you have postseason aspirations, you need a fireman, if not two, to get big outs against great hitters across baseball. And Daniel Norris could be that guy. I think relievers hold the greatest amount of value at the trade deadline. So I think personally, I mean, look at the returns the Tigers got for for Shane Green and Justin Wilson. It's some of the best trades that have been through this entire rebuild. So I, I do think that if you were to put him in a fireman role, I don't think you're devaluing him as opposed to being a starter. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, pairing him with Soto in the back end of that bullpen, that that could look really good, too. I mean, having two lefties there that can, you know, throw almost 100 miles per hour with, you know, a good secondary pitch, I think that could be a, a really good foundation for the rest of the bullpen there. Before we sign off here, uh, do you have any other names that we didn't hit on here that you think could be fast risers this season? Um, or, you know guys to look out for and I guess this is a question for Dan but really for any of you guys anybody we didn't hit on here that we should look out for gosh well, we talked about so many different guys already um, you know I love that you mentioned Keter Montero um, and, and obviously once you get into you know the lower levels of the minor league system and we used to see these guys in West Michigan um, because the, they were low class A but we might have to wait a little bit longer to, to see these guys but uh, of course, you've got, you know, De La Cruz and you've got Reyes, some of the kids who are playing down in whether it be the, the Dominican leagues or, or playing in the GCL, for example. Uh, I'm always curious to see what those guys look like. Um, and you mentioned uh, him as well. The, the catcher, uh, it's pronounced Elysier Alfonso. So he's a Thank guy, you. and again, you know what you're going to get, right? Offensive catchers, the, the Tigers have struggled to develop offensive catchers or, or just catchers in general. I mean, so I think they still have some, some work to do from that perspective, but I think they're working towards getting the, the vital information that's necessary. And of course, Dylan Dangler is going to kind of headline that evolving, if you will, he'll be in West Michigan, for example. So I think we're going to get a good look at him. So, you know, I, I don't know how much, you know, Dingler that we, we, we've talked tonight. I don't think we've talked about him too much. I know he's up there in the rankings, but you know, as it pertains to catchers. Yeah. I, I think Alfonso's really interesting. I loved his walk rate a couple of years ago. I'm a sucker for a good walk rate. And uh, obviously Reyes and, and De La Cruz, who apparently just hits the tar out of the baseball. So, so bring me De La Cruz and, and, and who knows, maybe Roberto Campos is a thing. And I know that he's kind of ranked in, in those top twenties for some of you guys. So, yeah, I mean, for me, some of those guys who are a little more off the beaten path are guys that eventually will get to West Michigan, but hopefully they'll put together a nice resume in Lakeland to warrant that. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see Campos um, just because he's been, you know, cloaked in a shroud of mystery here <laughs> since they signed and we've never actually seen him play. Um, there are certainly probably some prospects I'm more interested in, in monitoring, but just the fact that um, he's, you know, they gave him so much money and uh, there's been just whispers and talk about him, but we've never seen him. It's going to be fun to see him get on a field and, uh, and, and play a real game and, and see exactly what happens there. We might be pleasantly surprised and it might be incredible. So uh, that's going to be something to definitely look forward to all season. Yeah, the, the Tigers have actually specifically requested us with the Whitecaps for when Roberto Campos gets there to not make direct eye contact with him. <laughs> they really want to just keep him in that cloud of mystery. They're, they're really, really being sneaky about it. <laughs> I love it. 
I will say, I briefly mentioned his name, and I don't necessarily think this will happen, but Parker Meadows remains a guy in the system who has one of the highest ceilings. You know, if he can hit, which I, like I said, I'm, I'm skeptical of, but if he does hit, you've got all the other tools for a kid who could rock it, you know, into the majors. St- st- kind of sticking with my theme of, of looking past those top 20 prospects, um, you know, a name I'll throw out there uh, because I think there's an outside chance maybe he's in Detroit's bullpen, um, you know, later on this year, and that's Logan Shore. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a really intriguing, you know, command control profile, right-handed pitcher, you know, average, average-ish fastball, fastball, but it's a very legit changeup, um, you know, and, and if he can kind of, you know, continue to hone that profile a little, a little bit, you know, I, I think that, you know, he'll be pitching at Erie, maybe Toledo, uh, you know, if, if there's a chance that we're looking for a reliever at some point, uh, middle of the season. I think there's an outside chance Logan Shore could fill that role. Good call. Great. Well, thank you guys. Dan, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. appreciate your time here. Uh, you're welcome anytime. You can find Dan at Dan Hasty on Twitter, uh, as well as on any of the, the radio broadcasts for West Michigan Whitecaps this coming season. Uh, hopefully, that's at that Dan Hasty. At that Dan Hasty on Twitter. And of course, hopefully we, we hear your voice here in the ne- next couple months. Uh, cross our fingers that the minor league uh, season will be starting here soon. Um, you can find the Tigers Minor League Report podcast on uh, Spotify or iTunes or anywhere else that you find your podcasts. Uh, have a good night, everybody.